Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of I'm Not Being Funny But. My name's Lena Norms. I am a tearaway Midlands millennial who has a lot of questions. I'm white, cisgendered, straight, western, middle class to my very core. And I know nothing about nothing. Hello and welcome back to I'm Not Being Funny But, the podcast where we ask the questions you pretend you knew the answers to or the ones you didn't think to ask. Now, uh, last episode... Sorry, sick with my own privilege. Now, last episode was the launch of I'm Not Being Funny, but it was the first episode and it went to number 35 in the iTunes podcast chart. Be still my beating millennial heart. I'm over the moon and pretty relieved that you enjoyed it. I'm also willing to hazard a guess that this is the only podcast in the top 50 on iTunes that is recorded in a wardrobe. Stinky shirts to my left, jokers to my right. Now, I don't know if you remember, but last year we had one of the most controversial referendums in this country. Since after the Second World War, the European Union has been so much part of the public psyche, part of British identity, that it was hard for a lot of people on the left to imagine that anybody wouldn't want to be part of this system that protected our laws and human rights and really made sure that the relationships between countries in Europe stayed sweet instead of sour. However, we voted to leave, didn't we? It was a very small margin and a year on, a lot of us are still in denial, but... A few months back, and to be fair, it was quite a few months back, so we might need a little bit of imagination. In the aftermath of Brexit, I grabbed one of my reluctant friends. He doesn't think we're friends. We totally are friends, Jimmy. I'm the creepiest person you'll ever know. To ask him why he voted leave. As a Remainer, I think our side can get quite arrogant about the motives behind people who voted a different way to us. And I just wanted to explore that because... Jimmy is a really intelligent, qualified guy who seems to know a lot more about economics than I do. So I was really interested to hear somebody else's perspective. We talk cultural bias, white supremacy, why our upbringing might have influenced the way we voted. And we actually got along quite well, I think. Quite well. So I hope you enjoy that interview. Here is Jimmy, we know each other, we're friends. 
And vaguely, yeah. <laughs> vaguely. I think I've met you twice. <laughs> intimate. I think it's been three times, Jimmy. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's intimate times. now. I voted Remain. Yes. That was cool. I enjoyed it. It okay. hurt in the end, though. It was like a really bad, like, one-night stand that turned into love and then I was ripped apart. It must have been quite a come down for you because Remainers were expected to win and then yeah, it's 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 all yeah. You built up an expectation and it just it just fell on my fell on my face. Um, but to be fair, I am my whole family votes Labour. Okay. I'm very left in my influence beliefs from a young age. Um, I'm from the West Midlands and I'm proper arty and I have a nose ring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do you think that all of us are kind of predisposed to vote one way or the other because of our upbringing our background like i i want i worry i'll tell you this is a classic question i worry that i voted remain because of my upbringing and yeah, because yeah. i didn't did i think through all the options maybe i'm wrong that's what i want to that's what i want to understand about myself so pretty much all the research i've ever read or read about mm-hmm. around, around political psychology if you will indicates that yeah your upbringing is hugely influential on how you vote Mm. um so you probably did vote remain partially for that reason but there's probably like some proportion that was you know actual research and thinking about the issues and that sort of thing yeah so yeah it's hard to discard because you know my my mum stood outside Coventry libraries every Saturday during the whole campaign handing out leaflets and tote bags do you think that the way you were brought up or your beliefs before the vote was announced, like, do you think that influenced the way you were going to vote? Before yeah, pro- we knew there was going to be a referendum? Probably, but I mm. don't know if I could track it, really, because the rest of my family voted Remain. Um, ah. I mean, they, we... In sort of general elections and that sort of thing, I think we all broadly vote along the same lines, or similar lines, at least. Um, yeah. My, well, my brother's vaguely going through an anarchist phase, but... Um, <laughs> We've all uh, had one of them, don't, haven't we? Don't we all? Some of us came away with more tattoos than others. <laughs> that, that's certainly true. But um, in general terms, politically, are r- relatively similar, I guess. But um, they all voted Remain and I voted Leave. Um, mm. But it's sort of an inkling I've had that I probably would vote Leave for a couple of years. Um, even though when the actual campaign was going on, I was kind of flip-flopping yeah. between the two of them. And yeah. I was I was probably undecided until about a month or maybe couple of weeks beforehand Mm. um and then i knew that i knew that i probably i knew that i was going to vote that way basically but i had to break it to uh jazza the guy i do the uh, podcast with gently because he was uh he was emotional about (laughs) it he did let emotions get involved i'll give him that but it's good to have feelings we can't all be you know i mean actually that was a a general thing of being um because it sort of alluded to the uh the kind of bubble that people leave and there were a lot of friends i had who said I literally that they knew almost no one apart from me who voted mm. leave. Um, in fact, that that was the reaction of one of my friends the day after the referendum is that he just felt so isolated from these other people who obviously had a very different view on it. Yeah. Um, but in in a lot of ways, I'm probably not a typical leaver. I don't think. What worries me is that maybe we're all drinking the Kool Aid of our own Twitter feeds. Mm. And you know, I think I know facts. I think I have some of them. But I might only see the facts that I read in the papers that I do or like around the friends that I'm around. And I think part of the problem was that a lot of people didn't know somebody that voted the opposite way to them. So is is it weird for you knowing like what is it what is it like knowing like being friends with people who voted a different way to you? Because that's worrying that I don't know what that experience is like. Right. I I think that's really sad. Yeah, that's really worrying. (laughs) I mean, I know people who all 
No. Maybe not all, but I know people of a lot of different political persuasions. I think if you if you don't have friends that think very differently politically to you, you should probably go find some because yeah. I mean personal chemistry is totally a different thing from mm. political views. And there's actually I mean there's married couples who've been together for decades who have quite different political views and mm. you know they still manage to make a marriage work. So um yeah. but I mean at the, about the media thing, I probably probably most of the people I follow on Twitter voted Remain. Mm. Um, I mostly read The Economist, The FT, bits of The Guardian, and then um, also Guido Fawkes, which is horrendously reactionary. But aside from Guido Fawkes, um, they were all very pro-Remain. Admittedly, The FT and The Economist for different reasons than um, mm. The Guardian was. But I don't... That, that in mind, I don't think I was... I obviously wasn't hugely swayed or mm. ultimately swayed by the media I read. Yeah. Um, but that might, that might just be, because uh, I, well, running a political podcast and, and doing that sort of thing, I probably think a lot more about what it is I read than your average person. Not yeah. not in an arrogant way necessarily. Yeah, just but, in a like, con- considered... Well, yeah. Some people, there's different like, levels of consumption of news media, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people read very passively and some people read very actively, I suppose. Yeah. Um, because just when you said, like, I've been thinking about... I've always thought for a few years that I would vote leave, leave or remain. I didn't even... I never consider. Like, I never thought that we would ever leave the... Is that... That's really naive of me. I like, th- I was never thinking about which way I'd vote should there be a referendum. Because I was so convinced there wouldn't be. I don't, I've got this pretty sad obsession with uh, constitutional theory and that sort of thing. So <laughs> it, it would be one of the things that I'd think about. Um, and it, it's probably for the best that you don't have that yeah, sort of obsession. Maybe, maybe I got uh, more sleep. Yeah, you pretty... <laughs> to be fair. Um, I've, the, reason I, the reason I say that is because I've never really felt politically European, mm. I think, in the way that a lot of younger Remain voters do. Um, I wouldn't say this is true, true of all of them, but at the very least, a lot of people don't really just distinguish themselves between, say being British or English or mm. Scottish or, or whatever and being European they don't really see a yeah. particular collision between those two things mm. do you think part of that the this tension between like the um the emotional and the rational is quite interesting because I was confused while I was like very like oh god when I found out that we were brexiting our mm. way into a happiness hopefully um <laughs> i i didn't cry and a lot of people i knew cried and i was like is this a crying situation Did I, <laughs> is this one of the times when you cry like there are a lot of emotions involved in this and while it is like upsetting for some people to 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 feel like like something bad is going to happen um like do, do you think that people's emotions are, are too involved in it and because as, as well like there is I think there's a tension between people who look at, say, Guardian readers and think they're emotional mm. and they're not rational enough. And then those Guardian readers are looking at, say, Telegraph readers and say, these people are rational. They're not emotional enough. They're not cap- capable of empathy. And, like, where is where do, where does, you know, where does our influence on the vote sit with that? Like, you know, like, do you think you made a rational decision or was it about emotion? Because you said you didn't feel... When we say we don't feel European, does it matter? how we feel it, it doesn't necessarily matter and that, that is why i did consider voting remain for a very mm. long time because i i think irrespective of of which state you politically identify with there were there are very compelling reasons to vote remain um the economic stability being the main one um and also the idea of uh, we are going to have to collaborate with european countries one way or the other and the eu is one vehicle by which to do that um i also happen to take the view that i 
I think the EU is already the way it's structured is a bit of a busted flush, basically. Mm. Um, I think. <laughs> I like that phrase. Well, the, what, like we just need a man to come around and fix it. <laughs> I, I don't think it's really fixable because, and this was the other reason that there's a lot of people say we should remain and we should reform it, and I, and my personal view of that is that reform is going to be very difficult and in the short to medium term mm. um, talking next 30 years well that's probably putting it but 20 mm. years let's say is going to be very very hard and quite unlikely mm. um, just because there's so many structural problems with the way that the EU um, preferences what in the American context would be called states rights mm. um, and the way that the states have lies in Germany or Britain or uh, Belgium or what have you have a veto over certain processes which for Europe for the EU as a whole would be a good thing but there's too many interests kind of vying for things yeah um, and also just the general goal of the EU since it's can't well kind of since it's been set up as to, to create this European super state and mm. it is still going that way but not even just Britain, but many other countries don't really identify with the idea of being European enough for that to be a viable prospect. And, and those sort of tensions that I've just described are the reason that I think it will be dysfunctional for the foreseeable future. So baby bathwater, <laughs> get it all out. Um, yeah, Because do you think the idea of having a united Europe in general economically is a good idea? Or do you think do you think it was a good theory? It doesn't work. Let's get rid of it. Or do you think that that's just not a good idea in general? I don't really know. I mean, Europe. Um, <clears throat> in act, the the sort of arguments going both ways. So it's good to have harmonised regulation because it reduces. Um, I, I write about regulation doing my general job, so this is why I'm rock and roll <laughs> vaguely interested in this. Um, but it's good to have harmonised regulation because it means you can sell stuff across a market of, uh, was it 500 million people as opposed to a market of 60 mm. million people. Um, and the other side of it is that Europe has a very forward-looking view of rule writing in general, um, in that if, if you look at the American way of doing things, the Americans will wait for something to go badly wrong and then they'll regulate it afterwards, which, although it sounds crude, has its advantages because you don't stifle entrepreneurship and, and all of that junk. Um, Europe has the opposite approach and that's one of the reasons why Europe will struggle to build say a Google or an Amazon um, in the yeah. for the foreseeable future so there are arguments going both ways I to be honest I don't have a firm view on the economics of it because it is just so complicated that I think it's mm. almost it's not impossible for the layman to understand but you're going to need to you know not have a social life and never yeah. have sex again basically but <laughs> who needs those things <laughs> as long as we're in the EU. okay that kind of brings me on to my next question which is kind of about whether we should have had one in the first place because whatever i feel about the way it went or mm. what i understand about the way it went because still very unclear <laughs> um i don't know if we should have had one do you know what i mean like i don't, do you put and we're never going to know whether, you know, we can't answer whether democracy works in general right now. Mm. But for this decision, th this important decision, do you think it should have been put to the people? I'd say yes. And it's not just because Leave won. I, I would have said yes, even if uh, Remain had won, because the the EU or the um, European Economic Community, as it was known when we had the uh, referendum in 1975, has never been validated by the British people um, 
for a vote, which given the expansion of powers in the EU and, and the amount of mm. the amount of our lives that it actually controls is a problem for its legitimacy. Um, yeah. And arguably if if say Tony Blair had held a referendum when the economy had, was holding up and and all that sort of thing, and the papers were somewhat less uh, hostile to the EU than they are now, um, before Boris Johnson went and planted all those uh, bad stories uh, and false stories about uh, what a guy. <laughs> about Brussels. Um, <laughs> ten out of ten wouldn't Boris again. <laughs> it it would have lent the EU a lot of legitimacy in Britain because when Nigel Farage turned up on the scene, uh, you know, people would have been able to say, "Well, we had a referendum ten years ago, so." Jog on. Mm. Um, it, it inevitably had to happen because what essentially happened after the Maastricht Treaty um, and the various bits of legislation from the late 80s onwards is that Europe became less of a trading block and more of a proper functioning state. Mm. Um, there are still things that the EU doesn't do that a state probably should do, but when you consider the fact it has a parliament, say, and the amount of legislation it writes around you know, various areas, um, the fact it has, say, a foreign minister of its own, um, that that's the general direction it, it's heading. And you, and you can't absorb, you, you can't essentially absorb a country into a new state without some kind of ratification of it mm-hmm. and some, in, in our age, democratic uh, mandate for it. And one of the reasons that all of this pressure has built up over the years against the EU is because the prevailing consensus in Westminster what, um, was that the EU is a good thing and this is not to be questioned. And this, because it was this view was shared by Labour and the Tories, there was no w- real way to vote against it. Mm. Um, and that, I suppose, sort yeah. of play, plays into a wider debate around when the public should be consulted or not. But, yeah. um, and yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't know what you think about this, but I, I also feel like well, what I worry about is that a lot of people that voted Leave Felt, have felt like that for a long time and felt like they haven't had any consensus and any say. Mm. And when they're given that say, they use it to symbolically kick people in the balls. Do you know what I mean? Be like, right, you give me the say. Fuck you guys. I'm just going to, you know, and it, it becomes a bit of a backlash as to how they feel in general, how they're treated by the government, how much resources they're allocated as communities. And it the, the vote can become quite emotional and be about something else, but the result will still be specifically about... Yeah, it's hard to gauge how true that is. Um, I, I think... It's probably completely false. I, I, it's probably not yeah. completely false, but um, it's a line that's trotted out um, by... I don't want to say establishment journalists because it's so cliche, <laughs> but um, by, by, by journalists who are in positions of authority and influence uh, to delegitimatise uh, a, a vote, yeah. basically. Um because maybe that's disrespectful to say, because those people might, you know, they might, we, we don't know. But it couldn't, why am I making their vote about emotions and my vote a rational one? You know, well, like, at, at the bottom end mm, of all politics, mm, beyond the rational arguments, there is always an emotional kind of thrust to or away from something. Mm, um, and that's probably right, like probably morally correct in the sense that the only good thing that politics can do is actually make people's lives better, which is ultimately about well-being and how you feel about how things are going. So, yeah, it, it it's not it doesn't delegitimise somebody's view just because there's emotion at the bottom of it. That's you know, very where, true. Wherever yeah. that wherever that emotion's coming mm. from, wherever it's going, um, that's ultimately because it, you can talk about these economic arguments, but people don't 
people don't measure their lives purely by how much money they're making. Um, yeah. And it would be very strange if politics did that. And actually, for the essentially since Margaret Thatcher was in power, British politics has primarily focused on how much money people were making. Mm. So, I mean, yeah. that's the other way in which I think the Leave vote is a good thing in the sense that um, that orthodoxy has been destroyed now. Um, the, it probably won't be rolled back um, as much as people think it will, but if you look at someone like Theresa May, who I don't necessarily like as a politician um, in terms of her political views, mm. she's very different from Thatcher, Blair and Cameron in that she she wants to shape politics in a more direct way. It's more of a, um, it's less laissez-faire and more getting involved. So Yeah. So can I get to the root of the question? Yeah, you can <laughs> if you is, want. What yeah. are your reasons for voting leave? I've sort it's, of... it's hard to consolidate. You don't have to be like bullet point, bullet point, bullet point. But like when you went to that ballot box and you were like, right, I'm going, getting my little pencil out. What were your, this is why I'm doing it, thoughts? Uh, well, the, the thing I said about, I think the EU is is majorly dysfunctional and I don't think it's, I don't think, in a way I'm actually bemused that people would want to stay a part of it if they, unless they, they think the EU is, is well functioning um, or they think that the EU is badly functioning but can be reformed. But I don't personally think that that's true and that's, mm. that's really a judgment call. You can't, no one can ultimately say where the EU is going to be in 10 years time. Um, so that was front of mind. The thing about feeling um, more English than European was, I suppose, an emotional reason for it. Yeah. Um, it's not one that would have overridden or more practical matters in my case, because I, I think, you know, you can be French or German or, or whatever within the context of Europe. Um, but I, I also think that ultimately Euro the EU won't survive if European identity doesn't come to dominate national identities in the way that American being American is more important to Americans by and large than being Texan or being Californian or what yeah, have you. Yeah, that's a good point. So I, I, I think, it, and you know, I suppose you, you might take the view that in the long term, uh, Englishness is probably or Britishness is probably dead anyway. Um, but I suppose you could say that about every every. I don't think that's identity. healthy though. I think that the the less localized an identity becomes, the less personal it becomes, and the less people get behind it or want to protect it or change it or, you know. Mm. So I do I do believe I think you can feel both. But then maybe you're right that we need to feel if it was going to work, everyone needs to feel more European, and they just don't. Well, the the reason that. Britain is at risk of breaking up with Scotland peeling mm. off is that there's a lot of Scottish people who feel more Scottish than British or actually even don't really feel British at all um, mm. and to make a country work I actually think you do have to have a sense of kind of an enlarged family kind of thing because yeah. um, otherwise you don't you don't get support for things like the welfare state or mm. or you know um, respect you know respect for institutions and all that sort mm. of thing which I think is generally necessary to... Mm. I'm sounding very conservative uh, by, by saying these <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, I, there is something to yeah. that, I think. I, I, yeah, because I think, obviously, like the root of the word conservative is to conserve. Like People, people are worried that, that being, being British and, and being able to make British decisions in British Parliament mm. is the thing that we need to conserve, and that's the most sacred thing. Whereas my part of the influence of my vote was that 
I don't think I want to conserve Parliament the way it is and I don't mm. trust it. So were we to vote... Maybe I'd have felt differently if I had a government in that I had voted for and believed in. But at that moment in time, 2016, I was like, now is not the time to take back the power because I won't get it. You will. <laughs> and you look like twats to me. <laughs> so there's that as well. It's the, you know. Yeah, I, I think uh, this doesn't necessarily apply to you, but a lot of... Um... A lot of progressive people on some level are kind of ashamed of being British. Yeah, Maybe not in a... They might not necessarily view it that way, but you kind of get it when you hear them talk about British institutions and that sort of thing. Um, obviously, Britain's done an awful lot that people should be ashamed of in, the, in its yeah, history. Yeah, the empire acted like influence is scary. Like, the knee-jerk reaction to protect Britishness without question mm. scares yeah, I, me shitless. I, I think the... The opposite of that, which I think is what some progressives have, is the uh, knee-jerk reaction to criticise Britain, whatever. Like, just... Yeah. um, And never to admit that Britain did anything worthwhile or positive um, in terms of the way that it's uh, conducted its foreign affairs and, and that sort of thing, which is equally stupid for pretty much the same reasons, actually. We just have a really shit self-esteem as a country. Like, we can't work out what we like. We can't hold both... To be true, we can't be like, I like these parts of my body, but I hate this part of my body. Like, we we don't, we can't quite grasp which it is, and we're probably on different sides of it. But we probably, well, I think there should be a bit of both. There, there should be a bit of both, but I, this was actually something that, um, slightly cliche, I'm going to reference George Orwell, but um, Orwell had this big bug, bugbear about... Um, left-wing intellectuals who hated he, he usually re- would refer to englishness rather than britishness but he, he sort of meant the same thing by that mm. i think um and it just the intellectual tradition in britain compared to say france is very anti-chauvinistic i'm not saying all french intellectuals are pro-chauvinistic but i think Fr- france has more of a the french intellectual tradition is more proud of french ideals and that's probably because of republicanism and that they feel there's a little bit more there whereas Britain has largely managed to conserve um, most of its um, kind of well a lot of its aristocratic habits and leanings and and that sort of thing Um, which ironically progressives have sort of taken up with the uh, anti-democratic talk in the wake of the referendum so yeah (laughs) (laughs) they're all about that life it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, what, what do you think of, of us, of the remains, like the people, like, do you have, an, on how do you feel about being viewed as a lever? Do you, do you say it openly to everyone? I have to, like I have you to don't work out in front of anyone. I, I have a lot of uh, European citizens in my office, so I wasn't uh, banding it about. Um, and there was uh, there was one French girl in my office that was openly handing out uh, "I'm in" kind of remain mm. uh, slogans and banners before the referendum. So I kept it relatively on the down low. Um, Just have a peaceful day at work, really. You still want to be able to use the kitchen and <laughs> stand at the water cooler without hate. The, tr- the trouble with it is, uh, it's actually been very very difficult for people to have civilized arguments about it mm. um and i, I suppose because it cuts very much to people's identity and mm. conception of who they are and what they're about um and so people take it very personally when you say when you say i don't really like the eu they interpret it as that as i don't really like you as a person yeah <laughs> um and it, it goes the other way as well um i mean there's uh it's rightly been parodied, but all the um, all the idea of the the idea that anyone who criticises the Brexit vote is talking down Britain, um, that, you know, that there's there's grains of truth on on both sides as far as that goes. I think, um, but I also I also think that uh, people generally with me they like oh you voted leave, but you seem like an intelligent guy, so that's all right. Um, <laughs> Which in a lot of ways is very, very insulting to all the other people who voted leave, who are yeah. you know treated like. Uh, there it, is a class divide there, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean there, there certainly is, um, but get uh, to sort of take another sweep at progressives. But there is there's a sense that um, a lot of progressives are actually kind of snobby about working class mm. social mores, um, and I think this is the reason that a lot of them are really baffled by how many working class people like Nigel Farage despite Nigel Farage being a um what was it Dartford grammar educated yeah. <laughs> um stockbroker he will not be at the pub having a pint with you I can guarantee not with you he, won't be there, he, yeah. probably, he probably will be having a pint somewhere um <laughs> yeah yeah if only for the uh you know the photographs yeah exactly um but the the reason that um the Tories have have often done well with working class people is because that they they have some kind of respect for working class culture, um, which is that it's also kind of the reason why people in America got behind Trump because he's he's an. This is going to sound rude. It's because he's a bit of an oaf, and there's a sense even though he's a multi billionaire, he's not talking down to them, which yeah. appears paradoxical. Uh, paradoxical, but when you see more the cultural ideas behind it, does make sense. Mm. Yeah, because I think with somebody who's in power, you want to identify with them. It's, it's this authenticity thing. Yeah. Um, but actually, even that is not so different from 
the idea that um, social justice warriors kind of push, which is the idea of representation, is mm. that we we can't just have a white politician with pro-black policies. It needs to be a black politician with pro-black policies because otherwise, how can black people identify with this political figure? Which I think is fair. But yeah, do you yeah, not do you not you, agree? You might think it's fair. I'm just saying the those yeah, those, two, a... those two arguments are the same. They're just mm. applied to slightly different contexts. Well, people are basically basically self interested when they vote. Mm. Um, a lot of the principles that people espouse are basically ad hoc justifications for or post hoc justifications for what they already intuitively feel to be true. I don't, mm. that, that's myself included. That's yeah, not, no, yeah. definitely. That's, that's not... not, that's not um, and that, that's just an innately human thing. Rational choice theory or something. Is that a word? That's a thing? I heard that somewhere. Yeah, it seems to have been quite well researched sort of psychologically because mm. um, there's this experiment people do where they sort of come up with this uh, hypothetical scenario involving incest. You know... There's a natural human inclination to be disgusted by incest, and there might be evolutionary reasons why that's the case. Mm. But obviously, if you're if you're looking at it from like a a social harm point of view, in certain scenarios, it's not really possible to say, well, this is actually harmful, and yet people are still very yeah, queasy about it, yeah. right? Um, and that that's the way most politics works. That's just a very extreme example of it. The queasiness is real. The queasiness, yeah. You're you're obviously. Well educated, mm, yeah. Possibly, but possibly. But, so some might dispute that after. The, I mean, clever people uh, the, the never conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you're truly clever, you'll never claim to be clever. So it's fine. You don't have to agree. But I would say you're quite well educated. You read around a lot. You're quite mm. aware. Like you have your antennas up all the time. Um, it's probably reasonable to say I'm in the top one percent in terms of political awareness. Yeah. Right. That's kind of what you mean. Yeah. I yeah. Assume. Yeah. There you go. See, clever. Um, <laughs> do. Do you think that people, again, hard to say, because even the stats that we do have, we don't trust, or I don't trust, because mm. of George Orwell, but um, do you think the people that voted leave, did they all have, you know, do you recognise they didn't all have that, like, intellectual wealth to, to draw from? Yeah, most people are not pulling out the constitutional arguments when it comes to, yeah. to Brexit, I, from both sides, actually. Yeah. Um, I, going going back to that thing I just said about uh, people's political intuitions, I think the referendum for a lot of people from both Remain and Leave will have been a vote essentially on the, the benefits or disbenefits of multiculturalism and um, pluralism and diversity and immigration and all that sort of thing. Um, and essentially that's the reason why a lot of Remainers were so upset by the result is that they thought, and that you know they took up the slogan of uh, "Oh, my country's being taken away from me" because it's about that shift. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think that um, my views, uh, my views might be used by people who essentially have a problem with migration to buttress the argument. Mm. Um, but most people are not going to necessarily even care about my view of like whether you use going long term um and that sort of thing i don't mm. think so do you think that because that's that's not the ideal way to vote right to vote with those like w without your reading and your knowledge like you might have come to a different conclusion mm. and if they how do i say this you want people to vote on intellectual grounds 
Is that where you're going with this? I would like I would like there not to be a referendum because I don't even feel like I really understood my vote, but I voted for what I thought was right and like made the most sense immediately to me. But that's how general elections work as well, isn't it? Yeah, but then you're putting trust in a person, not an institution or an idea. Mm. So that person, you're voting, you're, it's a vote of confidence to say, this person is smarter than me. They are more um, experienced than me. They're ready for it. I, I, I trust I think, this yeah, person I think you'd be very, very surprised by uh, some of the MPs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've been thoroughly disappointed since. When visiting Parliament... Oh, God. Um, I think if, if you're a reasonably well-read person, but by which I mean you even just read BBC News regularly, mm. your MP is not that much better informed than you, except mm. perhaps in a few particular areas that they happen to specialise in. Yeah. In general political terms, most MPs do not understand the EU any better or worse than the average reader of the Times. Oh, my I God. Don't think. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I'm almost certain it's true. But then, so are we equipped to have this vote? Like, it's, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel so unequipped. Well, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm probably in the top 2%, and I feel completely un- unequipped. Well, I'd, I'd say that, you know, obviously the referendum, similar to the nine, 1975 referendum, was about, it, it was about Tory politics, well, the 75 one was about Labour politics, but it's about internal political disputes mm. rather than, there didn't need to be a referendum. There was, there was a bit of an appetite for it, but... Um, there's been an appetite for it for a while, and the um, with the state of Labour and the Tories both being generally in the in the pro Remain camp, the mm. you didn't need to have a referendum. You could have just ignored the British public uh, for a very long time, and probably we've got a long tradition of it. In fact, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would be conserving. <laughs> there's an interesting kind of comparison with um, the abolition of the death penalty in this country, which happened at some point during the sixties, and. The public, there was a majority for the death penalty uh, until sort of the late 90s, I think, in the UK. And it's not obvious where you kind of draw the line between kind of patrician politicians making decisions that they feel is in the best interest of the public and then the public's right to control the country they live in. Mm. And it probably just comes down to whether or not you agree with the policy. Yeah. At the end of the day, you know, there's, there's probably undoubtedly there would have been people who were livid that the death penalty had been abolished um over the heads of the british people they they'd said that you know this is totally wrong and they would have used democratic arguments to justify it but in the wake of the eu referendum there's been so many constitutional complications that you can make pretty much any argument you want just to justify your position um and i don't really think it's obvious where you do actually draw the line between when you have a referendum when you don't but i, I I, I would go back to the, the point that Britain was essentially absorbed into a developing superstate in the EU, what the EU became during the late 80s and early 90s and from then on in. And there was no vote on it. Mm. And there wasn't, a re- there wasn't a serious opportunity to vote against it. You could vote for one of your nutty parties and then not get any say on who your MP was, but who, who's going to do that? Um, mm. Especially when a lot of the arguments around the EU are so abstract and so airy fairy whereas most people are more inclined to vote on oh am i going to get a job or are my roads being kept clean and just yeah, you know basic basic everyday stuff mm. really so I, th- I think there should have been a referendum and it's not just because leave one yeah because i thought there would be a referendum and then remain would win yeah and then the question basically nigel farage would still be bitching about it for the next 10 years but the 
the appetite for for it. This is actually a very dangerous prediction. I think that would have settled the question at least for a while, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the potential, so long as the situation had been well managed, which is you know a bit bit of an if, um, but it could then have been managed to dissipate the tension around the EU. But um, there's also the argument that just Brit- British people are just just the way our, our political culture has evolved and the fact we're an island, there's always, you know, a kind of uh, tendency to see yourself as distant from the mainland. And we've also never really felt um, directly imperiled by Russia, which is actually a big reason for most of the Eastern Bloc joining the EU and even France and Germany clubbing together uh, during the Cold War. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> we're I, just I, sitting, I feel like we're sitting on a lilo in the middle of the sea, sipping our martini going, see you later, guys. <laughs> Because yeah, it's probably not that good. <laughs> it's going to be a really shit martini. I should, I should, will somebody have weed in the martini? I, I think there will be. I mean, there's a significant chance of serious economic damage. Mm. Um, but it's not to answer what was like the last question you sent over over to me uh, about whether it's going to be a disaster. It's not a question of is Britain going to collapse overnight. To it, fill you in, I literally sent Jimmy a question that was I was like. Are we all going to fucking die? Please tell me no. And that was literally my professional question I sent him. I mean, ultimately, yeah. But um, because of Brexit, probably not. Um, okay. I'll probably die of cancer or something instead. Cool. Yeah, probably. Um, probably not Brexit-induced Eaten cancer. Eaten by a bear. Um, it's, it's a question of uh, probably more or less more or less growth in GDP. Which is very boring uh, when it comes yeah, down to it. Yeah, nobody's it, interested in GDP nowadays. Um, Post-truth, man. That will translate into potentially slightly lower living standards. But the the causal effect is so indirect that um, it will be very hard to explain that to people in a, in a way that they actually give a shit about. Mm. Um, and the, the other thing is, as I said, no one can predict where the EU is going to be in 10 years. It's very possible that some of the problems that I at least perceive in the EU will would have un- undone the union anyway, irrespective of whether Britain chose to leave or, mm. you know, or stay. Um, oh, I can see that as a GCSE question in like 30 years, can't you? Why did the EU dissolve? When you were, when you knew that you were going to vote leave, did you try and convince other people to vote leave or did you keep it to yourself as well? I actually... Because obviously I voted remain and I was trying to convince other people to vote remain. No, I, I had a, uh, a phone conversation with my sister before the, uh, the, the EU referendum and I know where her politics generally lean, and I suppose in, in general terms they'd uh, be to the left of mine. Um, and so I said, based on, based on how you think about the world in broad terms, you should probably vote Remain. And here are some good reasons why you would vote Remain. Here are some reasons why I'm voting Leave. But ultimately it's a decision you have to make for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, because I, I, don't really, I don't really hold with this whole kind of hectoring... I'm not saying you hectored people, but I, I know... Hopefully not. <laughs> I, know, I know people who did. Um, mm. and To be honest, the people that I had conversations was more just like, can you just please vote? Because <laughs> most of them weren't even registering. And I was like, get registering. <laughs> I don't really mm. understand... I mean, this is particularly mm. your, you know, kind of scepticism about democracy. I don't really understand the fervour to get people to vote. I understand mm. it lends... The higher number of people vote, the more legitimacy it lends to the system. But some people just don't care. And... Mm. Well, maybe we don't want those people voting anyway, because if they don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, it, Ooh, if if you can't be bothered to vote or you can't be bothered to go down to a polling station, assuming that you don't have yeah. some disability that prevents you from doing that, um, 
Important caveat. Um, <laughs> why should anyone give a shit about your opinion? Yeah. I mean, really, like, if you, for most people, going down to polling station um, is not, it's not a huge ask. Mm. Um, otherwise, we do have elections on a Thursday, which is uh, is not great. But um, should be a bank holiday. What the hell? It should be a bank holiday. It should be on a Sunday or something. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not. I would never encourage someone to vote if they didn't have some sort of opinion on it. Mm. What would you say to the people who are worried that? Most people who voted for Leave, and I say most tentatively because the stats haven't been made available to us because we can't see inside each other's minds yet. Oh, When we've microchipped everybody for emotions, we'll literally be able to put this on the graph. But, like, the people who were worried that the Brexit vote was a protest vote, that their oh, votes okay. weren't being heard in general, like, that they felt powerless and that nobody's representing them. And also, they're the people that... Are, are they? I don't know. What, what am I saying? I feel like they're the people that are most scared of globalisation. So, bearing in mind, I'm not. I think more middle class people voted for Brexit in absolute numbers than working class people. Mm-hmm. Um, by and large, since Margaret Thatcher took power, working class people in this country have been ignored, mm. um, and they've been ignored partly because Parliament has professionalised to a great degree. So it's now filled. I mean, it's always been filled with lawyers to some degree, but during say the seventies, you had a lot of ex miners, say, and genuinely working class people. Um, and now it's just full of professionals and um, Oxford and Redbrook educated mm. uh, people and Cambridge educated people, I suppose I should say. <laughs> Not snub the, uh, those people. But um, and just the, the general uh, tenor of the policies has been to has made life better for middle class people, often slightly at the expense of working class people, even though globalisation is not a zero sum game. Um, the middle class people have, have definitely got the way more attention um, because partly because of demographic shifts. Um, I suppose actually mostly from demographic shifts and, and because Labour and the Tories have responded to that. Um, so if anyone felt that they were being ignored and then voted for Brexit, that kind of makes sense in a way because they were, they were being ignored. They're, 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 <laughs> You're they're, like- Spot on the money, you were worthy. Well, but whether, then... whether you think that's an effective way of processing that, I don't know. Um, there's no re- yeah. there's no particular reason why Labour or the Tories would suddenly pivot towards the working class vote because there just aren't the numbers anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a slight bleak view of politics in that a lot of a lot of things it's not really about what you can do because the shifts and the changes are just things you have to ride out and, and make the best you can and you can of them. And I, I just don't really see that change. Even after Brexit happens, I don't... Then, you know, it, there could be a shift towards more investment in things like apprenticeships or, um, you say, non-university higher education or that sort of thing. They, there could be various measures to ameliorate that condition. But on a very, very basic level, to be a... If you're a manual worker in the UK it's not a good time because our economy is moving more and more towards information-based industries. Um, and just in general, because of automation and that sort of thing, there appears to be no end to that. Um, so essentially, if you don't have the skills or you don't have the means to acquire the skills, you're a bit mm-hmm. fucked. I'm and, afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your podcast, Jimmy. It's... Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, so I, I do a podcast called The Right Dishonourable with uh, Jazza John, who I assume has been... He's all like, right. He, he must have been on your channel a couple of times. Yeah, now, yes. yeah, he's been, he's been hanging around. He's, uh, he's a staunch Remainer, um, mm. so we, we get on very well. 
You do though. It's quite. It's quite. It's like a little bromance of disagreement. It's so weird, but I love it. Yeah. Well, we 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 discuss current affairs, social issues, politics, that sort of thing. It's really good. Once a week. There you go. And it's really accessible. That's what I like because I actually feel very unclued up on politics. You can tell because this is the word unclued up. So yeah, I find it very accessible. So you should all go and listen to it. There you go. That's the plug. Ten out of ten. Would write dishonourable again. You probably shouldn't too often. <laughs> Not that, too that, often. That'd be how. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming. I yeah. mean, look, look what it's done to me. So. <laughs> yeah, look, you've only... <laughs> he's literally mad. He's in a glass case of emotion. Um, cool. Thank you for humouring my stupid questions. Thank you very much. How stupid were they? Pretty uh, stupid. None of them were stupid. I don't think. Okay. I'm not good. just saying that. I should work harder. Are you a racist? <laughs> well, that was a stupid question. I'd have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> Episode two, cliffhanger, is Jimmy a racist? appreciate it i've got some amazing people to thank from the ratings and reviews section on itunes can't stop me annie mcgregor natalia kinsey mark hemingway sky cr cole keris 123 kelfire88 agnes derion and claire ccp94 thank you so much for reviewing the podcast if you'd like a shout out in the next episode please go over there and review tell me what you think and in the next episode i'm going to be doing a segment called i'm not having it where I want to hear your rebuttals, opinions, disagreements, improvements. So don't forget to either tweet those at me, at Lena Norms, L-E-E-N-A-N-O-R-M-S. Leave me a voice note in the link below, or you can even drop me an email. The music in this episode was provided by Lewis Fieldhouse, who is genuinely a bloody great musician. I own loads of his EPs. I'll leave his links below. Do go over and check them out, because he's amazing. Okay, I'm logging off and bugging off. Bye! Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.